0: Let's look in your Bible and turn to Daniel, let's turn to Daniel 7. Um, a couple of things to note is that if you look at your bulletin, I've kind of changed the title a little bit and I've actually extended the text a slight bit, but uh, let's uh, start by looking at Daniel 7 and to give honor to God and to the word of our Lord. We'll stand as if you're able as we read the word of the Lord. Daniel 7 verse 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions in his mind as he lay on his bed. Then he wrote the dream down and related the following summary of it. Daniel said, I was looking in my vision by night and behold the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea and four great beasts were coming up from the sea different from one another. The first was like a lion and had the wings of an eagle. I kept looking until its wings were plucked and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man. A human mind also was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one resembling a bear, and it was raised up on one side, and three ribs were in its mouth between its teeth. And thus they said to it, Arise, devour much meat. After this, I kept looking, and behold, another one, like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beasts, the beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this, I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrifying and extremely strong, and it had large iron teeth. It devoured and crushed and trampled down the remainder with its feet, and it was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. While I was contemplating the horns, behold, another horn, a little one, came up among them, and three of the first horns were pulled out by the roots before it. And behold, this horn possessed eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth uttering great boasts. I kept looking until the the thrones were set up, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His vesture was like white snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames, its wheels were a burning fire, a river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands were attending him, and myriads upon myriads were standing before him. The court sat, and the books were opened. Then I kept looking because of the sound of the boastful words which the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain, and its body was destroyed and given to the burning fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away but an extension of life was granted to them for an appointed period of time. I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, and that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him, his dominion, is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Let's pray. Thank you for this, your word, and we pray that you would enlighten our minds and help us to understand this, your word, and help me, we pray, to preach and teach this, your word, clearly. Help us to receive and believe and grow in in our faith by means of this, your word. For we ask it all in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Now, for those of you who think that was a long reading, at first I thought, you know, wouldn't it be great if I could preach chapters 7 and 8 at the same time? Because, you know, both passages speak of these beasts, and maybe there's some overlapping meaning. So therefore, why don't we have this big one big long sermon to get it all in, But then I thought to myself, there's a reason not to do it that way. If you look at chapter 7, verse 1, The first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions in his mind as he lay on his bed. Okay, so that's a vision during the reign of Belshazzar, first year of his reign. Now turn to chapter 8. In the third year of the reign of Belshazzar, the king, a vision appeared to me. Okay? So you have one vision given in the first year of the reign of King Belshazzar, and then you have another vision, also with beasts, in the third year. Now, yes, there's some overlapping meaning, I believe, in, in these visions, but it's not the same prophecies. Now, um, before we go on further, um, we need to have a little bit of discussion about Belshazzar. Now, you might say to yourself, well, was Belshazzar a Babylonian or, or a Chaldean? Because if you go back to Daniel 5, you remember in Daniel 5, it says Belshazzar the Chaldean king was was slain. That happened after he received the writing on the wall by the hand that was appointed by God, given by God, sent by God, wherein his days were numbered. Okay, so chapter 5 of Daniel, he's called Belshazzar the Chaldean. But then we have in Daniel 7, in the first year of Belshazzar, the king of Babylon. So was he the king of Babylon or was he a Chaldean king? Or was he both? Okay. Um, going back, think back, Nebuchadnezzar. What kind of men did Nebuchadnezzar have on his council of wise men? Some were Chaldeans. Now, it helps to understand ancient world history for us to grasp a little bit of why are people in Babylon sometimes called Chaldeans. Now, uh, I should have used a better resource, but I actually used Wikipedia for this one. In Wikipedia, you look at Chaldea as a nation. Chaldea, uh, Chaldea was a small country that existed between the late 10th and the mid-6th centuries B.C. That was Chaldea. After which, the people were absorbed and assimilated into the indigenous population of Babylonia. So what does that mean? The Babylonians assimilated the Chaldeans into themselves, kind of like what they wanted to do with Israel. They took them captive. They took them in. They would have been quite happy if Israel just would have ceased to exist as a nation and would have been assimilated into the Babylonian Empire where they no longer would have had any social, religious identity. They would have all believed and lived just like Babylonians. But then we get to today's text. So... um, What are we doing here back with Belshazzar? Belshazzar died in chapter 5. And after chapter 5, beginning of chapter 6, Daniel serving Darius. uh, Darius the Mede in the Medo-Persian Empire. And then you have this big ordeal with uh, the lion's den and him surviving uh, persecution in that fashion. So, the the only way you could possibly understand this is this is a flashback of sorts. This is a flashback. And for those who watch a lot of movies, you see flashbacks. And this is what happens here. This this is going back in time prior to the death of Belshazzar, the Chaldean, Babylonian king, at the end of chapter 5. Okay? All right, and having all that said, let's look at this great vision uh, concerning the four great beasts. We'll see today's text in two main points, the four great beasts, and secondly, I had to lump this together because I couldn't divide it up, the glorious Ancient of Days and the reigning Son of Man. So the first point is the, the four great beasts, and the second point is is the glorious ancient of days and the reigning son of man. Let's look at this first main point, four great beasts, verses 2 and 3. Daniel said, I was looking in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts were coming up from the sea, different from one another. Okay, what is the source of these beasts? How did they come into being? Who allowed them and ordained them to come into being? Well, it looks like the four winds of heaven. That means God had a role in letting these uh, nations rise up. Um, for instance, uh, getting, skipping down to verse 6, mentioning one of the beasts, which represents a nation, dominion was given to it. Who was the one giving dominion? Well, it was God. God is the one who sets up kings and rulers and brings down kings and rulers. Um, Now, for us to interpret, for us to interpret what these four beasts are, it's absolutely pivotal, essential. The absolute key to understand this is that this is really pretty much the same vision given... Concerning a great statue with a head of gold, with a breast and arms of silver, a belly of bronze, and legs of iron and clay. Do You remember that vision given to Nebuchadnezzar that Daniel interpreted in the dream? I'm going to show you that the, these four beasts are really the same as the four parts of the great statue. Okay? So let's look at this first one. The first beast. The winged lion, verse 4. The first was like a lion and had the wings of an eagle. I kept looking until its wings were plucked, and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man. A human mind also was given to it. Okay, so this winged lion is the same as the head of gold, Representing the Babylonian Empire. Okay, having wings that are plucked. To me, that's, you know, a bird that's nice and happy and flying around and doing its thing. But then someone has to bring it down to the ground because it's not being obedient. So if you have a bird and you don't want it to fly away, what do you have to do with it? Sometimes you might have to snip the wings. But here the wings are plucked. And it's kind of what happened to, to Nebuchadnezzar. His wings were plucked and he had to resort to being uh, like that of a beast for a time, grazing upon the ground for the period of seven years. And notice here it says that it had two feet like a man and a human mind was given to it. Well, for the case of Nebuchadnezzar, a human mind had to be given back to him. So a human mind was given back to him. So that's the first beast, the winged lion, uh, was then taken over by the bear. Verse 5. Behold, another beast, a second one, resembling a bear. And it was raised up on one side, and three ribs were in its mouth between its teeth, and thus they said to it, Arise, devour much meat. Now, I'm not sure, but this might be a little bit of speculation. Three ribs, um, sometimes the, the, second, the second empire, which is also the, the breasts and the arms of silver in that great statue, which is the Medo-Persian empire. If you add up the Medes the Persians and the Babylonians, that's three. Okay, three ribs in the mouth. Maybe that's the significance there of the three ribs in in its teeth. And he as far as arising and devouring much meat, um, the Bab the Medo-Persian Empire did devour a great deal until it was overtaken by the Greeks. And that is the fourth beast which was a four headed winged leopard. Look at verse 6. And after this, I kept looking, and behold, another one, another beast, like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. Again, this is the same image as the belly and thighs of bronze, representing the kingdom of Greece. This last one is given more time, and we'll find out for a reason why. Um, The tin-horned beast next, with its iron teeth. Verse 7 and following. After this, I kept looking in the night vision, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrifying and extremely strong, and it had large iron teeth, it devoured and crushed and trampled the remainder, that is, the remainder of the beasts, with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it. It had ten horns. While I was contemplating the horns, behold, another horn, a little one, came up among them, and three of the first horns were pulled up by the roots with it, um, or before it. And behold, this horn possessed eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth uttering great boasts. Okay, you have a beast with large teeth of iron. Boy, you think you could chew some stuff up with teeth of iron? I mean, we have teeth made up of bone coated in enamel, and you can really chew some stuff up with teeth of iron. You could probably crush rock with teeth of iron. But notice how similar this language is. Back in Daniel 2.40, the fourth part of the kingdom, back in Daniel 2.40, the fourth part of the kingdom, um, it says, as strong as iron, verse 20, I mean, sorry, uh, Daniel 2, verse 40. The fourth kingdom, as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron crushes and shatters all things, so like iron that breaks in pieces, it will crush and break all these, that is, all these prior kingdoms, in pieces. And today's text, listen to the same language. Verse 7. With its great iron teeth, It devoured and crushed and trampled down the remainder, the remaining beasts' kingdoms, with its feet. So it's really clear, I believe, that this fourth beast is the same as the legs of iron and clay, namely Rome. Um, Concerning the horns... The fourth beast having horns, with one horn uh, making great boasts. You're going to have to come back Lord, next Lord's Day for the interpretation of that one because that, that's no way we're going to be able to, to go through all that in one message. And, that, and really, much of the interpretation of a lot of these con- things concerning the beasts comes later in verses 15 uh, to the end of the chapter. But having that said, uh, keep in mind that this prophecy of Daniel ties in a great deal with the book of Revelation and especially what the book of Revelation says concerning the beast of Revelation. Uh, Look again at uh, verses 11 through 12. Now, this is to give you a glimpse, we're going back again, Daniel 7, 11-12, so you don't fear these beasts. I want you to understand what it's taught here in 11-12. through 12. Then I kept looking, because of the sound of the boastful words which the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain, and its body was destroyed and given to the burning. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but an extension of life was granted to them for an appointed period of time. Okay? Now, maybe somebody reads this prophecy and they take it and they say, Man, there is a beast out there with ten horns, with teeth of iron, and it's going to devour us. It's going to devour our nation we won't survive now it's my take it's my interpretation by studying this that a lot of what you read here pretty much all of it has already come to pass this beast this final beast Rome is no longer an empire it's no longer considered a world power some would like to say, and even Matthew Henry likes to say, well, the beast here, because Rome is mentioned, and it's mentioned and tied in with the, when, the, when the Messiah, the Son of Man comes, that the Church of Rome, the Roman Catholic Church, and the Pope has something to do with all this. I don't believe it. I don't believe it in a minute. And, I, and we'll, we'll, if you want to find out for sure, You have to come back next Lord's Day and we'll we'll go through a lot of this of how what is all written here has already come to pass. The boasting one has already died and gone into the flames of hell. Now let's look at the glorious ancient of days and the reigning son of man. This is a beautiful passage. Verses 9 through 10. I kept looking until thrones were set up and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His vesture, his garments, was like white snow and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire. A river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. Hundred I mean thousands, thousands upon thousands were attending him, myriads upon myriads were standing before him, the court sat and the books were opened. Now, where in the Bible do we hear about books being opened and a a major court in in heaven? And I want us to look at Revelation 20. Revelation 20. You see, I'm telling you, you will see a great deal of similarities between Daniel and the book of Revelation. Revelation 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it from whose presence earth and heaven fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small standing before the throne and books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And uh, death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, again, we read in Daniel, there's a great court. There are books being opened. Well, what books are they? The books that record all things that were done, all the deeds that you've ever done, but also the most blessed book, the book of life, wherein those whose names are written in that book, blessed are they. So that's that's what I believe when we read Daniel. You, you wonder what Daniel's talking about. And you read Revelation and say, Oh, I know what those books are now. Okay, so let's turn back to Daniel. Um, keep your, We're going to end up going back to Revelation, but let's turn back again to Daniel. Okay, th- it, gives you this, um, it gives you this image here. Um, in verse 10, well, we'll back it up a little bit. His vesture was white as snow and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire. A river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands were attending him and myriads upon Myriads were standing before him. The court sat and the books were open. And then skip to verse 13. I kept looking in the night vision, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the Ancient of Days, this one who is surrounded by the thousands upon thousands and the myriads upon myriads. He came up to the Ancient of Days, and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, that all the peoples, nations, and, ev- and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will never be destroyed. So the vision here is you see the Ancient of Days. Who is the Ancient of Days? I cannot in any way fathom this being any other than the Eternal Father. Because you have the Eternal Father in heaven surrounded by the angels. And then you have the Son of Man coming through, the appearing in the clouds. Behold, with the clouds, one like the Son of Man was coming. And he's presented before the one who's already in heaven, surrounded by the holy angels. And what do we find out about Jesus Christ? When he ascended into heaven, he was taken up into the clouds. They were looking at, at upon him, waiting for him, and wondering what was going to happen. But then the angels said, Well, the same one will return in his second coming and judge the earth. But when Jesus went up into heaven and was taken up into the clouds, where did he go? Well, today's text says he was presented before him. Who is him? He was presented before the Ancient of Days to sit at the right hand of the Father. And to him, that is the Son of Man, was given dominion. Now, Why is this one called the Son of Man? Now, if you're a Jew and you're reading Daniel, you might not understand it. You might be kind of confused. Why is he called the Son of Man? Well, um, I I read this in Matthew Henry. Matthew Henry says that the reason he's called Son of Man because he takes upon himself a human nature. So the Messiah to come makes more sense as being both God and man, being the son of man because he took on human nature. So Jesus Christ, being the eternal son of God, became man, or the eternal son of God, became man, and so was and continues to be God and man in two distinct, two distinct natures and one person forever. He's God, yet he's also taken upon himself a human nature. I want us to look next at Revelation chapter 5. This will be the last reference we'll look at, Revelation 5. We began looking at the Ancient of Days, Him being surrounded by the host of heaven. But now, if we look to Revelation chapter 5, starting at verse 11. We have a different scene Now it's not just the Ancient of Days, the Father, but it's Father and Son together being worshipped and exalted. Uh, Revelation 5.11 Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures, and the elders, and the number of them was myriad of myriads, and thousands of thousands, and saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them I heard saying, To him who sits on the throne Who's that? The Ancient of Days. And to the Lamb, Be blessing and honor, glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. I noticed one thing in Daniel. And we'll, we'll look at this next time. When Daniel had some of these visions, it said he was troubled by them. One time he turned pale, like, like his blood pressure dropped and he almost passed out because he was troubled by the visions. I don't know about you, but I, I, love, I love the fact that when we interpret a book like this, you have so much wealth of other scripture to help understand what is being taught here. You have so much wealth in the book of Revelation to feed back for our understanding of what Daniel is talking about. And none of this makes sense without an eternal Jesus Christ who, re- who lives and reigns forever. Okay, Getting back to the Jews. They struggled when Jesus said, Before Abraham was, I am. I'm the great I am. I'm the one who's forever existed. I am who was and is to come, the eternal one. That's what Jesus was telling them. That's why they picked up stones to stone him. But how do you have this? I'm going to ask you this question How can Jesus Christ, if he was an earthly Messiah and not eternal, How could he ever have an everlasting dominion which will never pass away? How can an earthly Messiah have a kingdom which will never be destroyed? But it makes total sense that a Messiah, son of man, only can have an eternal everlasting kingdom if he himself is an eternal one. it's the the only way that you can make sense of this passage. And I think, like I would say before, the, the New Testament is the only way to make sense of with a fullness, a degree of understanding that even Daniel looked into and would have delighted in. But we've been given all of this fullness and riches in Christ. But getting back, looking at the Ancient of Days and the Son of Man, is your name written in that book of life? Do you embrace Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you have saving faith and you're trusting in Him as Lord and Savior, your name is in that book, written in that book. And if not, ask God that your name would be. Ask Him, repent of your sin and believe and pray that He would put your name in that book. Let's pray together. We thank you, our glorious Lord, that we don't have to wonder whether Christianity will fail, whether your kingdom will fail. We thank you that we are assured by your holy word that Christ's dominion is an everlasting dominion which will never pass away and his kingdom is one which will never be destroyed. We pray that you would work in our hearts and minds, that that we would be given saving faith, that we could know for sure that our names are written in that book of life. Help us, we pray, to trust in Christ as our Lord and Savior, the one who has died for our sins, and the one who ascended to your right hand, O Father, and presented before you. Help us to put our faith in your beloved Son, in whose name we pray. Amen. For our closing hymn, let's turn to 245. We'll stand and sing, Great is thy faithfulness.